morning, One Church. Hope that your morning is starting off incredible. And uh, I'm excited to be speaking to you in this series. But before we get into opening up the scriptures, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. As your daughters and as your sons, some of us mothers, some of us fathers, some of us grandmothers and grandfathers, we, we, we thank you for your presence. Jesus, we thank you that this week that you are with us. These are the weeks where we're desperately aware that we need you with us, and that's right where we find you. And Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence within us. Thank you that you go before us and you make these words come alive within us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would transform us. So we give you this time as our continued worship in your name. Amen. Well, as you probably know, we're in this series called I Love You to Death and Back. A really quick recap. The first week, we talked about the power of Jesus and that he loved you to death and back. And everything is different because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. In week two, we looked at this love that is more powerful than the condemning voices that you've probably heard. And so whatever those messages are from condemning voices, well, the love of Christ within you, the Holy Spirit at work within you is more powerful. Then the third week, we talked about our identity. You're God's kid. Whether you like it or not, because he said so, your daughter or a son and your job is to embrace that and live within it. And then last week, we talk about the family business, that you are his child, not just to be his child, but to go into the family business of seeing that the world and all the people within it are flourishing. and We all get to create or bring order that we've been created on purpose and we get to live into that. And now that we're in the fifth week of this series already, we're talking about how do we evaluate along the way? How am I doing? On Mother's Day, this seems to be a question that's actually asked. I've noticed in, in my wife, in my mom, in other women that I know, Mother's Day is a day that we're to celebrate, but it's really a day where people feel a little bit of like, okay, am I doing good enough? There's some self-evaluation and fear of others evaluating. We need to feel celebrated and loved, and mothers, I hope that you are feeling celebrated and loved. And those who are are not called mother, but are, are raising other children or young adults, I hope that you feel celebrated and loved. But I'm also aware that you feel evaluated from social media. You wonder if, if the presents and cards are, are true, the messages that Hallmark or Target write in the card. You wonder if it's actually the words of your child or if they just spent the 295 to make you feel a little bit better. We wonder if our kids are succeeding enough. We wonder if their success is a critique on our performance or our ability or our effort. And a challenge in that is in this situation where our, our kids are a critique on us, well, the kids, they, they don't get to live into their own story at all. Instead, they validate ours. You see, in a situation where we're wondering how we're doing and we're evaluating our lives according to how our children are performing or succeeding, 
then their performance or success is really just validation into whether we did a good job or not. And that is not what the freedom in Christ looks like. That's not the freedom that God gives us. So there must be another way of evaluating besides how our kids are turning out. In the world of the New Testament, there were these lists in the Greco-Roman world of vices and virtues, and people were to spend their entire life living up to these virtues. We've talked some about these before. But in the New Testament, we're given this other type of list. Not a list to strive for, but we're given a list of what it is that the Holy Spirit produces within us. And we're given this list in a way that we can evaluate how surrendered are we to the Holy Spirit? How willing are we to allow the Holy Spirit to work within us? This list we commonly know of as the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I grew up thinking that it was the fruits of the Spirit with an S. And it was like a fruit salad. And you could kind of pick and choose within this, the nine categories. You could pick and choose which fruits you liked and which fruits you didn't. Many of you know that I used to pretend or exaggerate or even lie and say that I was allergic to raisins. And I'm not allergic to raisins. I love grapes. And really raisins to me look like really pathetic and sad grapes. And I would say that I was allergic because I just couldn't stand them. So if those were in a fruit salad, I would just, well, they never would be. But if they were in a trail mix, I would just say, I don't, I don't want them. I don't want to touch them. I'll eat everything else. But this is one fruit. This is one fruit. And nine different descriptors of the one fruit and why that's important for us is we can't just throw out one of the descriptors. We can't say we like eight of them, but not one. Instead, this full fruit is what God produces within us. You see, in a, in a fruit like, like this apple, the fruit ripens. And what it needs to ripen is sun and soil, water. And you and I, we mature, we ripen. And we need God to be at work within us. You see this, this truth that we're looking at throughout this series, 1 John 3, 1. See what, the love, see what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And the fruit that is ripening is, is your willingness to surrender your entire self to that, to the Holy Spirit at work within you, making you a daughter or a son. Now, as we get into this fruit of the Spirit a little bit, we've got to acknowledge that an apple is not just an apple, right? I mean, when I, when I was a kid, I thought just an apple was an apple. And then you get a little older and you go to like an apple orchard where you start buying groceries yourself and you realize different apples taste different. And some apples I, I just, I don't really like. I like if they're really, really crisp and I like if they're a little bit tart. And other apples, well, they serve different purposes. Some are baking apples and different things like that. We need to acknowledge that the fruit of the Spirit looks different within each one of us. Your personality, your story, your wiring, they all matter. They'll make different traits more prevalent in your life, more natural. And so you might be a little more crisp than your neighbor, just naturally. And it might not be as difficult for you to surrender and let, willing to let the Holy Spirit work in that part of your life. But it's these nine traits that we can evaluate some. Okay, Holy Spirit, am I allowing you to work within me? And so let's, let's look at this verse in Galatians 5 where the list is. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Real quick, we're going to go through these. And as I do, I want to invite you to, to just kind of gauge with the Holy Spirit. Is there one of these that seems like it's not yet ripe? Are there a few of these that seem like maybe you're not quite mature in that? And instead of beating yourself up about it, instead of punishing yourself or being upset, maybe look at it as like, okay, this part of me still needs to mature. And so there's something that I'm needing. I'm needing to allow my belovedness to, to come through in, in the fact of like the first one, love. If the Holy Spirit is at work within you, then you should grow in love. As you understand that you are loved, well, what comes out of you is, is love. That's what this entire series is about. The next aspect here is joy. And joy isn't circumstantial. Joy is above our circumstance. It's above our challenges. And it's really, contrary to what a lot of us have learned, joy is a form of happiness. We're to live light, even in the heaviness of this world. We're to live with a jovial spirit. And so what does this look like? This, this fall, as you continue on with One Church, we're going to spend a lot of weeks in joy. And looking at what this looks like. And so we're going to actually wait on this one until there. The third aspect is peace. And we've talked a lot about peace. Peace is this, this word shalom. Peace is not just the absence of violence or the absence of war. But it's the flourishing. It's some of what we talked about last week. The flourishing of all creation. Others will experience you as calm. They'll come near you and feel like they can take a deep breath if you are a person of peace, if you are someone who shares shalom with those around you. And so as you're hearing these, is that true of you? Not are you the most peaceful person in the world, but when you look back on three years ago or two years ago or a month ago, is peace a more of your story than it once was? The fourth aspect that we're given here is patience. And this one we're going to sit on for a second because well, we're, we're still in this pandemic. We're still in this safe at home. Patience seems unfair. On Mother's Day, that we're talking about patience when you have kids that you probably haven't heard any of the sermon yet because your kids are louder than I am. Patience can be hard. This week, in the news, with the video of Ahmaud Arbery, patience can be hard. What does it look like? What does patience actually mean in our lives? As the Holy Spirit works within us and produces patience, what is that? Biblically, patience is listed next to endurance, long-suffering, steadfastness. So the question again is, okay, but practically, what does that look like? Many of you know I live in, in Old Louisville, and last night, Aunt B's laundromat, right down the street from me, caught on fire. We were talking to our neighbors, and we could smell it, and then we looked down, and there were fire trucks. We walked down to see if there was any way that we could help. And in a situation like that, patience does not look like letting it burn. That's not patience. 
Patience is not saying, well, God's got it, and so we just stand by. No, patience includes the firefighters rushing in and putting out the blaze, making sure that nobody is impacted by the, the piles and piles of smoke that were happening. There were people who their clothes were, were in there, their possessions, maybe their favorite clothes, maybe all of their clothes. Whatever it is, their, their possessions are inside of this laundromat and there are people who are comforting them and neighbors who are gathering wondering how is it that we can be a support for our neighbors who are hurting. Patience in old Louisville this weekend, that means not giving up to defeat. Patience means looking out for each other a little more. Patience in our culture right now means learning Ahmad Arbery's name. It meant that on Friday, many of you went and ran 2.23 miles. Patience means calling out in desperation for God to move and then trusting that God will move while not letting up on the idea that we desperately need his justice, his mercy, his grace. Patience means believing that the suffering will result in something. And so we'll hold on. Whether that be a more comical thing like our kids are just driving us wild and we need an introvert moment, or whether it be a serious moment like Aunt V's laundromat, or Maud's family now grieving. We're given an example of patience in, in Second Peter. And this is honestly where I find that the church misunderstands and culture misunderstands what God is doing and misunderstands what the fruit of the Spirit's aspect of patience is to look at within us. And so in 3.9 it says, The Lord is not slow about His promise. For some of you, let's pause right there. There are promises that you are waiting on that feel like there is no way they're coming true. If the promise is this way, it feels like the trajectory of your life is that way. If the promise for us is this way, it feels like we are headed this way. God is not slow on his promise. As some of you think of slowness. But he's patient with you. He's not wanting anyone to perish. But all come to repentance. He's patient. And so we get to be patient because the, the Holy Spirit is producing within us the very traits that we find in God. He's patient not wanting anyone to perish, so we'll be patient. And we'll suffer a little longer. And we'll ache a little more. And we'll learn more names. Because, well, we don't want anyone to perish. And we'll redefine the word our. See, right now in our culture, we protect ours, thinking it's like my little household and my little bank accounts. And we'll redefine this to be ours, like, like the family business kind of thing. Ours is this world and all the sisters and brothers who live on it. And we'll patiently protect ours. And we'll patiently defend ours. And will patiently call upon God, watching and trusting that He's just, that He's good, 
He's not slow as some understand slowness. He just doesn't want anyone to perish. In this time, the attribute and the fruit of the Spirit that I think God is producing within us that aches and is being pressed on is this patience. If you're wanting to kind of lash out, if you're wanting to not be patient any longer, I understand. And I truly believe that the Holy Spirit understands. And yet we reflect the heart of the Father when we patiently not put up with things. That's not what I'm talking about. But as we patiently trust that God is not finished yet. And so we call out for what it is that we are desperate for. We call out the promises of God and then we wait even though there's some suffering attached. Trusting that his kingdom will come and his will will be done. There's more in this fruit of the Spirit. There's more that the Holy Spirit wants to produce within you. There's more that we surrender to the Holy Spirit and, and be willing in. And another one is kindness. Now, kindness is not nice. It's not. You know, I grew up in North Minneapolis, and there's a thing called Minnesota Nice there where you're really friendly to people until they leave. And then you, you kind of, it's, it's like passive-aggressive for uber uber white people that's not what we're talking about here and we're not even talking about those people who are like genuinely nice though i like genuinely nice people kindness is not the same as nice but it's also not the same of as someone who is blurry in their conviction i think sometimes we think that someone who is kind is not passionate and does not have convictions does not really have interest that is not kindness at all kind people the kindness of the Holy Spirit producing within you can be crystal clear in your conviction. But kindness is something other. N.T. Wright says that kindness is the art of being endearing to people. So the people who are kind are the people who when you come near them, you feel loved. You feel seen. You feel affection that's genuine. And some of the people who I know who are the kindest people in the world have the strongest opinions in the world. They are not polar opposites. Someone can strongly voice what they believe God is about and fill you with an awareness that you are loved. That person is kind and that attribute is what the Holy Spirit wants to produce within us. So how willing are to allow God to work within us, producing this endearing quality. The next one in the NRSV is generosity. I think this is interesting, and I love to, to say, church, this season, churches are so terrified. Well, our whole culture is terrified, right? About money, about economics. I know some churches who really want to open the door simply they trust God, but they're afraid that the, there will be no door if they can't open it soon. I've talked and prayed with some pastors who are, are needing cash flow, and you all have been so generous and have been so kind in your giving, and I want to I thank you for that. We're being good stewards of it. We're investing it where we can. We're helping people as we can, but I want to thank you, first off, for being so generous financially. And then I also want to draw attention to the, the aspect within the fruit of the Spirit of generosity is not just a financial issue. 
Generosity is something that we desperately need in this time, in this culture, in this age. Generosity means you're generous in your opinion. It's someone who's betrayed you before. You're, you're open to them maybe being other, maybe being different. You're generous with yourself. That you allow yourself to have moments that aren't your best and moments that don't define you. And the definition you run with is that you are a child of God and you strive to live as if that is true. That we're generous in our words. That we're generous in our thoughts instead of dwelling on fear or negativity. That we choose to meditate on the fact that we serve a generous God who lavishes his love on us. And the Holy Spirit is at work within us to to replicate that same generosity inside. The next aspect that we have is faithfulness. And faithfulness is really almost boring. If the Holy Spirit produces faithfulness within you, then you are the most predictable person in your household. If you are a faithful person, that means that you are consistent, that you are unswerving, that you are predictable, that you are almost dull. The people know that you will be about what you say that you will be about. And so if you are about God and God's kingdom, well, then you will faithfully be about that and nobody has to guess, nobody has to wonder. If you are faithfully, faithful about the, the prospering of your family or the flourishing of your children, then your children will always know, even when you're upset with them, even when you're frustrated with them, they might even take you for granted because, well, they know that you're predictable. You're always in their corner. You're faithful. You're stable. That is something that the Holy Spirit wants to produce within all of us. The second to last category here, the second to last aspect of this fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. When I think of gentleness, I know some of us think of like really weak, that we like don't have firm handshakes and that we're, we're real soft. I don't think of that as gentleness. Biblical gentleness is power that's under control. It's power that doesn't need to be flexed. Truthfully, when I think of gentleness, I think of the way that a lot of you are with Anna, my little daughter. A lot of you, particularly you meant you're strong men. You could you can move giant things if you wanted, and yet Anna comes flying into your arms, and so sensitively you hug her, embrace her, are kind with her. And I see you as strong, and she sees you as safe. That's a trait of gentleness. It's something that the Holy Spirit is producing within the Holy Spirit's church, within Jesus' church. That we're, the neighborhood is to see us as gentle, to find comfort in our strength, knowing that we're not going to flex it at them, but for them. That we'll be kind, under control. And the final aspect in this fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Now, self-control in this season looks different, too. And if there's an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit that I think we pull out of being surrendered to, to God and we go try to manage on our own, it's self-control. And maybe because it's called self-control. But I'm learning some about self-control. And I'm, I'm seeing in your posts that we're feeling pulled on self-control. 
that maybe we're, we're letting down our guard and we're eating different than we would like or we're viewing more TV than we would like. But here's the thing, often with self-control, what we feel is shame or pride. We're really proud that we're doing it in our own power or we're really ashamed that we can't on our own power. And I don't think that's the self-control that Paul is writing about here in the fruit of the Spirit. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is all produced because you're beloved. And when we realize that we're loved and we're doing this self-control in the power of the Holy Spirit, it looks vastly different. Let me try to explain it this way. Many of you have seen my old van that I used to drive. This thing made noises you could hear from like four blocks away. It only had two doors that worked. It had four doors, but only two that worked. It didn't have air conditioning ever. Uh, the tires we did replace, but it still didn't seem to work. It was loud. Sometimes it just wouldn't start. Uh, I had replaced a ton of things inside of it, and it didn't really matter. I couldn't stand this van. I don't drive that much anyway, but I just couldn't stand this van. But I noticed by the time that it, when I was done driving it that there were like dishes, like full out dishes that my kids had brought in that van like months before. I never cleaned it out. It looked like a, rec, a recreational closet in the back of my van. There were baseball bats and baseball grass from 15 different fields. I didn't vacuum it out. It had leaves from six different seasons on the outside of that van. I didn't really care. I remember at one point I needed new wiper blades and I wondered if it was even worth the $8 to put on a new wiper blade. You see, this van I didn't believe was worth anything. And you know how I treated it? Like it wasn't worth anything. I didn't know that. I even was like fake proud about it. Well, I don't really care what I drive. And, and so I had like this weird pride humility thing about it. But it was wrong. It would run. It got me places, but I treated it like it was nothing. And then we bought this, this newer car, new to us. And it's this Equinox that we like a lot. Man, I get mad if anybody leaves like a gum wrapper in there. If there's proof that you ate in my car, I'm upset. I'm taking out bottles and I'm wanting to vacuum and I'm wanting to take care of everything because this one is worth something to me. This one I like. I'll pay for the good oil to go in it because I think this one's going to run. I believe in this vehicle and the way that I care for it proves that I believe in it. Self-control is like this. Which one are you? What are you worth? Many of us have lived our life we, like we are that old van with half the doors that don't work that you can hear coming four blocks away. And so we've slept like that. We don't make sure we get sleep. We eat like that. What we take in is like that. The self-talk that we do is all like we're this, this worthless van. And you know what happens is if you believe you are worthless, you will always live down to that. If you believe you are nothing, you will produce nothing. If you believe that you're not worthwhile, well your life will start to look like you're not worthwhile because you controlled yourself in such a way. But if you are willing to let the Holy Spirit redefine who you are and you start to see yourself as value, all of a sudden, you'll live different. All of a sudden, maybe if your body needs rest, you'll rest. 
because you're worth it. All of a sudden, if you have some past issues that you need to work through or some trauma, you might work through those past issues because you know that the Holy Spirit is doing something within you. You know this vision and this promise of God is worthwhile. And so you do the work. And all of a sudden, self-control looks different because you're worth something. Now, I recognize that maybe because of class or race or gender, you might have heard messages before that, well, you're, you're not worth it. You may have heard that. And moms, particularly on Mother's Day, you often eat last. You rest last. You feel last. Everybody else does everything else first. And eventually that can leak in and you start to think that is your value. Eventually, that can become your belief. I want to remind you, your beloved, that voice within you that calls out for the Father, that voice, the Holy Spirit, wants to mature you from within. Remember this verse again. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Mothers on Mother's Day, the gift that I would love to give you is a breath or two or twenty. We are aware of how beloved you are. Not because of the way that you parented, not because of what you've produced, but because God said so. And as we go through this fruit of the Spirit, I hope that you've found one or two of these where it seems like the Holy Spirit wants to mature you. And if that's true, if there's one where you're like, I, I like that description, but it doesn't match you, then I want to ask, are you willing? Are you willing to, uh, to surrender that area of your life? Maybe you don't feel so patient this week. And instead of this being a right or wrong thing, and you're wrong for not being patient, I want to Instead, say, maybe this is something that the Holy Spirit wants to mature within you, ripen within you. And so will you allow the Spirit to work? Maybe you don't feel real gentle or kind. For many of you, this week or this day, it might be hard to be kind. I believe God meets us there. It might be hard to be patient. I believe God meets us there. But I want you to know that that lack of being able to feel that and live out of that, that doesn't mean that you're faulty. That just means that your daughtership or your sonship hasn't, hasn't leaked into that area yet. So maybe you are well aware that you're a son but there's something about waiting on God's promise that you just can't do yet. And I want to invite you to invite the Holy Spirit into that lack of patience, asking that to be produced and ripened within you. There are ways that we can help one another even in the social distancing time. We can catch each other being us. You can catch somebody being kind. You can be remem reminded that somebody 
is generous or gentle. And if that's you, if you catch somebody, I want to ask you to say it to them. Send them a text. Give them a call. Post it on social media. Hey, I've been thinking about joy. And this person is one of the most joyful people in the world. Just wanted to remind the planet that the joy of the Lord lives within them. If you see the maturity of the Holy Spirit within one another, let's start to call that out. Let's catch one another being human. There's a chance that you're watching this and you've intellectually heard of, of Jesus, but you've never let the slow truth that he did this all for you sink in. Maybe you're somebody who's never really thought about the Holy Spirit working within you. And the idea that the Holy Spirit wants to reside within you and cry out within you, produce what God always intended to be there, well, maybe that's all brand new. And if that's you, there's a team of people who are going to be available to pray with you in just a moment. I want to encourage you to, to dial into this number, join them in prayer, and let's see what the Holy Spirit does in us. Even now, let's pray together. Father, thank you that just because you say that we're your children, we are. Thank you that that love is lavished on us. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you don't just leave us loved, but that you remake us and you mature us and ripen us like, like an apple or a pear. That we might look more like our Father. I ask that you would produce love, joy, peace and patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity. Lord, would you produce this in us, this faithfulness, this self-control. Thanks. Thanks that you're with us. Thanks that you're for us. Thank you that you live within us. In your name.